welcome back to the episode of the podcast here. And, you know, you know, we could open up with last night's Thursday night football game between Washington and New York. It was, it was such a great game, but we got into a little bit of a discussion here before we started recording. And Trish, Trish has pissed me off a little bit. Cause I think nineties television, that's the height of television. I don't, I don't think especially so. you get home from work. There's something to watch all the time. The sitcom TV was not the height of television. All right. And what was I honestly, I couldn't tell you, but I can guarantee I it's not sitcom TV. Why do all you, right? it's like you bring up something and, and then you all say, right, well, right, no, there's right. something better. And then I'm going to hit you with pretty much any TV now is better than sitcom TV back then. That's not true. That's not true. I don't, I, dude, I, I think you could take every single TV show they make now from a comedic standpoint. And okay. none of them are as funny as Seinfeld. What's the best? All the, okay, yeah, no, 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 no. Not to dig into Seinfeld. Seinfeld was very funny. Well, or but, Friends. They very funny show, but wasn't How I Met Your Mother funny? Not that level. Not not no, nearly no, as funny. Not that. Not that. And dude, about, we're talking about, about a time. Office? We're talking about a time where all these four shows were on at once: Married with Children, okay. Seinfeld, Friends, and Home Improvement. And I'm I can almost guarantee you were missing some. By the way, we're also other. The reason we're uh, talking about this is because we found out that Tim Allen is making or made over one point two five million dollars per episode on Home Improvement. Absolutely, I think he deserved every penny. But wait, whoa, you do? Yeah, absolutely. I love Tim Allen. Concerning. Listen, there's not a better underdog story than Tim Allen. All right, he's Buzz Lightyear. You can you cannot convince me otherwise. Do you know Tim Allen's start? Yes, like where he came from, and all the You're drugs right. he was smuggling. I'm looking up. Oh, wait, I'm looking up what other shows we had in the '90s here. Okay, I'm gonna say he really. Oh, dude, Full House. Well, Full House was good. The '90s are the golden age of television. You just like sitcom TV. Yeah, that's that's all you said. Like, listen, '99. Well, also, dramas is just. Listen, '99s are the most important part of TV. Breaking can you think back. of can you think of a a decade with better TV shows? Well, the 2010s is pretty damn good. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, I, but can they know, hold I, the flame to the top ones? The, take your tops. Okay. Take your starting got, five. Let's go starting fives got, by decade. For comedy, we can. Okay, sure. we can go. That comes. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I mean, not the 2010s, but Arrested Development came out in 2000s. You got okay, so you so like, you argue for the 2010s and then go to immediately to a sitcom that wasn't. I'm gonna say not the 90s. And there were Arrested Development episodes made in the 2010s. Did they hold a flame even to the early Arrested no. Development episodes? No, no they That's what didn't. I thought. Okay. Community. You ever watch Community? Community's fire. Community was Brooklyn a great show. Community's a good show. Brooklyn Nine is a great show. Parks and Recreations. Parks and Rec. The Office. Yes, yeah, all these shows. From a television standpoint, I mean, Frasier was on in the 90s. Frasier was good. Don't hit me with Frasier. Listen, yes, Cheers. 70s show started in the 90s. Does that 70s show count as the 90s? Uh, that's, yeah. that's more no. late 90s. But here's the thing. The 90s, you also ended with Cheers. Is that when that ended? Yeah. Yeah, really? that, that fit. Dude, I mean, yeah, 93. I And... The other thing is, I'm I'm disappointed because you guys are talking about 2000s a little bit, and you didn't bring up Two and a Half Men. Two and a Half yeah. Men, that was another good show. Great that's program. A, but Roseanne I mean, again, was in the 90s. Roseanne's, Roseanne's good. 
That's a good one, Tom. Roseanne was funny. Uh, Roseanne tried to come back, and then that didn't go so well. Exactly. Well, no, they're still on TV. They're the Connors now because they killed off Roseanne. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's why it didn't go so well. <laughs> trying to look so that like means there's another TV problem shows. with your uh, 2010s. That was the 2000. Was that the 10s? Yeah, I Hold guess on. it must have been. Listen, Roseanne getting canceled. Wait. Oh, yeah. Hold on. 90s. That's Fresh Prince. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit, yeah. Dude, it's so dominant. Dude, also, this, I mean, granted, granted, again, there's only it was 20 all some sitcom channels. TV. So yeah, but but this is like these are the peak sitcoms. All right, yeah, I understand. But that when I'm you take them out, yes, the nineties one hundred percent peak sitcoms. But more, you more get people that like to watch like home and garden television, like my mother. They didn't give a shit about the 90s. They yeah, but Home and Garden Vision is the garden staple of, ma- of Get TV. Here. <laughs> but here, I, I searched dramas that came on that started in the 90s. Okay. ER, 94. All Good right. Uh, NYPD Blue, 93. Law and Order, 90. Law and Order, The X Files, 93. I love the X Files. Sopranos, 99. I'm not counting that. That's not enough in the 90s. Beverly Hills, 90210, 90. Twin Peaks, 90. Uh, Sex in the City, 98. Not, not enough. But, like, dude, you can't. Baywatch was all of the 90s. 89 to 01. Everybody loves Raymond. I think you can say that's that early 90... 2000s. Yeah, no, that... that's 96. Let's, I think we're going to say. I think you can say the 90s was the golden age of the sitcom, while the 2000s to 2010s, like the 21st century is the golden age of the drama now. Like No, but even well, you you throw in these solid dramas in the 90s, and yeah, there's a solid. time, and throw in your live sports too, but there's a time where 90s television's undefeated also, against every other decade. Murder, She Wrote ended in 1996. Murder, She Wrote, there's your old people crowd. Yeah. At, uh, oh, well, when did Columbo end? Oh man, mm-hmm. that might be the '90s, actually. Hey, hey, Tony. What? Do you know what time? Do you know what town has the most crimes per capita? What? Cabot Cove, Maine. That's true. Tone. What? You want to know when the last episode of Columbo was? Yeah, 2003. I say, good God. Columbo was on damn near four years. I mean, it started in 1968. Wow. God. Yeah, but there's only 10 seasons. They stopped and came back to it. it. Yeah, but like a lot of it later on was just movies. It wasn't even like episodes. Yeah, they had 10, 10 had 14 specials of Columbo between 1990 and 2003. Also, I, I mean, also, couple couple shows we didn't air, we were, didn't talk about as I Googled 90s TV shows Blossom with current Jeopardy host Mayan Bialik. I'm not a big fan of Blossom. Uh, Saved by the Bell, Boy Meets Saved World. By the Bell. Yeah. Boy, Meet, yeah. Boy Meets World's classic. Uh, Wonder Years, yeah. Grown Pains. Yeah. You're not getting that line. The up. 90s is undefeated. And, and yeah. But oh, Tony, talk- what was the name of that show? What was the name of that stupid show that we had to watch in like eighth grade? Geeks and Freaks. Freaks you didn't like geeks. that show? You didn't like Freaks No, I geeks. did. I did. It was First weird, off, that's you called it stupid. Yeah, it was either 99 or 2000. But, like... Was that? That show but, was fucking And you're talking, like, yeah, sitcoms, blah, blah, blah. They're just sitcoms, but... They are. 
look at Friends. Well, or Friends and Seinfeld, they transcend their genre. Another thing that comes to mind in the '90s too, you had Nickelodeon at its peak. Yeah, so your kids are happy. You're not getting. And then you have the good days of the Simpsons. Yeah. 90s television's undefeated. Yeah, undefeated. Well, all right, but 2000s television has South Park, so. And, well, 2000s television might have the best cartoons. But even the late night game in the 90s, you got the end of Johnny Carson, you got Letterman, yeah, you got the right. start of Jay Leno on The Tonight Show, and you got uh, Conan. And Craig Kilborn. And Arsenio Hall. Yeah. I think you can make I think you can make you the also argument. had like TLC and shit on TV at that time. And we Jerry? haven't even we haven't even approached the SNL realm. Oh fuck, you're right. Because you're starting oh, with yeah. Sandler. You got Norm, rest in peace, doing weekend update. 90s television, man. Now you got a point. You got a point. It really it really has oh, a lot Stanton. going for it. Stan just hit a bomb. Also, you had tons of talk shows in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Jerry Springer started in 1991. <laughs> Jerry! That's what I just said, Jerry. Jerry! But, like, I mean... There's so... Like, there was a lot in the 90s. But it was good. There's Tony, you mentioned so much now. It's so niche. Some of these shows... Say, I don't... Did you say Letterman? I did say Letterman. Yeah. That's because that's when Letterman made the move over from the late, uh, yeah, from the show after the Tonight Show. I can't think of the name. Late night, yeah, late night with David Letterman when he didn't get the job at the Tonight Show. He went over to CBS and did the Late Show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point, yeah, the mean, important thing is you're not getting that lineup anytime soon because that is well rounded. No, but dude, it was a time where like. Peak primetime television hours, you could literally turn on any channel, and there, there was something for everybody. Granted, yeah. there's something for everybody now, but streaming services, I'm subscribed well, to all the of them, thing. and I'm not happy about it. And there's <sighs> a part of me that re- well, Joey Gallo just hit an absolute nuke. It's eight nothing Yankees back to back home runs. But there's a part of me now, I mean, I miss, I, I would love the weekly thing, you know? Okay. Like step so, by, ch- tune in next week. And then for the whole week of going, oh, it could be this, it could be this. So I just look, We're being robbed of that now. I just Well, you can up. still do it. You just don't. You could just yeah. watch an episode and then be like, I no, don't know. Yeah, but no. You could still do it. Back then, you had to do it. Yeah. That's looked, the difference. I looked up the 90s or the 95, 96 um, TV schedule. So what you got on certain times. All right. Um, Mondays on ABC, you usually usually on ABC Monday Night Movie or Monday Night Football. CBS, <laughs> right, right there. I, CBS. I mean, you got the nanny. Nanny yeah, wasn't bad. Can't hurry, love, or another show, almost perfect. Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown, and ended it with Chicago Hope at ten. There's your little drama. Fox, you have Melrose Place. Melrose Place. Dude, 90s tell you can't beat this. NBC, you had Fresh Prince. And what year is this? 95? It's 95, 96. And if you want to go on top of that, at UPN, you had Star Trek Voyager. 
And then, then you after have the, the Bulls game, on a fucking run. <laughs> and then after the after the game, after your dramas and your sitcoms, you finished with either Letterman on CBS or you finished with Leno on NBC. Yes. And that was the night. ABC Tuesdays. Roseanne, Home Improvement, NYPD Blue. That's a hell of a lineup. That's yeah. a hell of a lineup. That's and two in be- sitcoms into a drama. In between there, you had Coach, The Drew Carey Show, The Dana Carvey Carey Show. Show. Uh, Dana Carvey Show was a bust. CBS, you had The Client, Rescue 911, and then a Tuesday night movie. Fox had a Tuesday night movie. NBC, Wings, and Third Rock from the Sun, followed by Frasier, Pursuit of Happiness, and Dateline. (laughs) All right. Well, don't forget, though, this is also during a time where DVR for the TV did not exist. You could not save a show. So if you missed an episode, that was it. That episode is gone. Now do not get to see it. So on nights where two of your favorite TV shows were airing, you had to pick one or the other. There was no option. And there weren't a lot of reruns back then. Yeah, but if you were going, and let's say you take out Monday because of football, you could pick four sitcoms for each day of the week outside of Monday. And still have an all-time. And it's not even picking one. I mean, you still probably get two good ones each night. Yeah, definitely. But, but still, like, you're picking between. You're still picking them like an all-time four. And now and, we can NBC just had, watch that anytime. NBC and that's, yeah, that takes away. And they know that. Yeah. Like, it used to be they had to outproduce another show. They had to make this show better than a show airing in a rival time slot. And a lot of the times they knew they couldn't. So there was a big show on at seven and a big show on at eight so you got both of them but when they were airing against rival time slots man the quality of the show was better that's why these shows from then are so good so wednesdays i don't think so wednesdays at eight on abc had ellen all season long that's tough ellen wasn't great on fox you had beverly hills 90210 on nbc Mm. you had jag in the spring all right so they missed so well wednesday's rough day when does when when does NBC break out their murderers row? Yeah, Is that Thursdays or Fridays? NBC, yes, it, it's Thursdays. NBC killed Thursdays. Friends, The Single Guy, or Boston Common, Seinfeld, boom, Caroline, out of the park, Caroline in the City, ER, ER. They they finished off that night with Seinfeld and Friends with ER. If you are ABC, if you are Fox, CBS, it didn't matter. You could not compete with Thursday night. If, if this was if, also not a time for the insomniacs, because after a certain hour, TVs just shut off. Yeah. Yeah, but we didn't go to that time. So if, if any of our listeners are curious, CBS had Murder, She Wrote uh, through Fall and Winter. Fox in the Summer had Martin Short Show. And Martin Short Show. And even like, yeah, like you couldn't stay up insanely late, but I mean, it checked out at like two. <laughs> yeah. But how many nights have you been up till four on YouTube? Just bumming around. Not, not as much as you, but like, I, I, I don't, it was a different, it was a different time in that regard. I mean, listen, you had to be up at eight because the Today Show was coming on. And the show was can't miss. In By the, the way, also, also, people forget, I'm on Saturday now. ABC had Jeff Foxworthy. What was Friday? Friday is not much. Uh, Family Matters on ABC at 8. 
Muppets Tonight, Boy Meets World. Okay, that's that a lot. Of, that's... Did you just skip over Muppets Tonight? Like, that's not a great, well, like, all-time fucking show? That's on Fridays because they're expecting people to be out. You also yeah, have Diagnosis Murder with Dick Van Dyke on. But on Fox at 9, you had The X-Files. Mm. <laughs> and then you probably had, like, Friday Night Baseball. And then NBC at Dateline. Uh, local programming afterwards. So either news or whatever. And then we'll end it with Saturday. Um, sometimes you had ABC at the movies. Walker, Texas Ranger on CBS. Yes. 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 Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman at eight. Love me some Chuck Norris. Cops on Fox. At mm, cops. Uh, immediately followed by either Encounters the Hidden Truth or America's Most Wanted. Damn. NBC uh, did JAG until late summer when they had to cover the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, let the listeners decide, but I don't think you could beat that lineup. No. I, NBC banging out Friends, Seinfeld, and ER. Dude, I, I love that they said Thursday night's going to be the night. Like, we are going to dominate Friday conversations. We're just going to dominate it. Yep. Hey, that's crazy. And then, and then Sunday you had went, football. Nah, man, I'm done. Imagine yeah, Sci-Fi went, nah, I'm done after nine years. Imagine putting, though, like Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and another top sitcom just back to back to back. Yeah, it's, it's just unreal, man. That kind of run. And the fact that it was just like centralized, like four networks. Like everybody said, we're just bringing out our heavy hitters. It's like no if H- every team had like a Barry Bonds. No like, HBO, no USA, no, no TNT. HBO was starting. It wasn't. HBO there. was movies and comedy specials. That and, was it. And if if you missed your sports, you just turn on Sports Center on ESPN. I, exactly. Exactly. HBO's transition into the TV game was was an interesting one. Transition into the into the series game. It, it changed the dynamic of television, especially from a drama standpoint. I think for the better. Oh, definitely. Because it gave you things like The Wire and The Sopranos, things that were so good, you had to pay for it. You know? Yeah, pretty much. They knew that they had And the with them, you know, even if you missed an episode with them, it was easier for them to run reruns because they dictated their whole schedule. Yep. All right. That's enough. Uh, Putting it off. Yeah. That's right. We're a sports podcast. I got to talk about what happened last night. And man, as much as I would love to sit here left and right and blame the refs, and trust me, the refs are not blameless in this whole thing. Uh, Darius Slayton, you need to catch that ball. I don't care that it was just a little long for you. It's the same argument for Evan Ingram from a year ago. Daniel Jones did all he could. Yep. in a collapsing pocket in that situation to deliver that ball dead into your hands and you drop it. If he catches the ball, the game's basically over, makes it a two-score game with like four minutes left. Also, a phantom holding call on C.J. Board on what would have been a 70-yard touchdown run from Daniel Jones turns into a 50-yard or 40-yard gain instead. And then you got um, the offside that everybody assumed was an offside because we didn't see an actual – centralized camera replay of the play today it comes out it looks like dexter lawrence 
the man who was flagged for offside on the missed field goal by Dustin Hopkins, it looked like he timed it with the ball. Even the, the league in their post game, the rumor is they called the Giants and apologized for the play, which is what they usually do. They will call teams and tell them when they got plays wrong. Yeah, the refs aren't blameless in this whole thing, but if Darius Slayton doesn't, if Darius Slayton just catches that ball, it doesn't put the game in the hands of the ref. Yeah. I also don't know how you make that call as a referee in that situation. I think if that game is at MetLife Stadium, that ref doesn't make that call. It's simple. He had money on Washington. Yeah. Like, but it's, I, I mean, well, it's, a, it's strange yeah. that they didn't swallow the whistle at a time like that. You know, like, nor, like normally you would think that something like that in that moment, you know, it's like, you know, like, like until like I saw the video that you're talking about today, Tony, that came out like where, you know, Dexter Lawrence is, you know, when he uh, supposedly was offside, so he just perfectly timed that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to the, to the naked eye, the ref could have seen that. But, you know, if it's like so imperceptible, like, you know, normally they would just let that slide. So the other thing yeah. is you spend yeah. years, you know, touting your replay system. Exactly. Yeah. And we can't so. review a play like that. I mean. There's a few pass interference calls on both sides, too, I thought were very questionable. Um, especially one on Xavier McKinney when he was clearly going for the ball. But, like... There was... No, there was one on, on Bradbury. Was that the one? Yeah, there was a couple that were questionable on, Brad, on Bradbury. But, like, in a situation like that, I, within two minutes, for the most part, I want you to swallow your whistle for both sides. Fans hate it when games are decided on penalties. The job of the ref these last couple of years, and that's why they completely took out that challenging plays rule, challenging uh, defensive pass interferences and offensive pass interferences, because they didn't want the game to come down to the ref anymore. And that and refs just weren't overturning things that were clearly penalties or not penalties. But it, it was a disastrous display from a referee standpoint. Also, the hold on CJ Board. I, I understand. CJ Board has a hold of the jersey, but it's inside jersey, and it could be the plate of the chest protector. And from the referee, the angle had there's the defensive players not making a move back toward the inside where he's clearly grabbing the jersey and stopping it from coming back in. I don't know how you call that play. I really don't. The other thing, though, I want to say about last night was that both kickers, phenomenal. Automatic. Both of them. Automatic. Graham Gano had a great game. Uh, I did get my free jersey from Caesars, so I do think I'm actually going to get a Graham Gano jersey. Uh, a lot of kicker love. But, I, I mean, at some points, if you're the Giants, you have to stop settling for – field goals and go for the touchdown. And I, I just want to say Daniel, Daniel Jones played great. The loss isn't on him. Uh, the offensive line, Patrick offensive line, lose Nick Gates early in the game for what the offensive line was with Billy Price stepping in. And I think it's Breedson strip, uh, stepping in. Daniel Jones played like a franchise quarterback. It's as simple as that against the Washington defense that was believed to be top 10 coming into the season. Like Tom Brady against the Jets. Yeah. Something about I don't know why he turns into that against Washington. It doesn't make any sense. Also, um, though, um, but real quick, real quick, I, I just want to say, I just want to say, Joe Judge isn't completely off the hook here. It comes down to the 
interception by Bradbury. Uh, you run two plays and you throw the ball to Sterling Shepard that was behind on the slant route. And you think, okay, yeah, maybe that's Jason Garrett's play call. But if you're Joe Judge, the decision's coming down from you probably to play for a field goal in that situation. And yeah, Jason Garrett, by any means, didn't call a perfect game, but he called a better one than he has in the past. That and there was a situation, I, I forget, I think it's when it was 20 to 14, I think. And Joe Judge kicked the extra point to make it 20 and didn't go for two to make it 21. There's no difference between a five and a six point lead in football. Yeah, an extra point, I guess, but that's a play you have to assume is made 95% of the time, probably more. You got to assume that extra point is basically automatic with a touchdown, so you really don't want to get the game to come down to that. If they go for two and they make it, that's a tie game heading into overtime if Hopkins makes that field goal at the end of the game. If all the situations fall the same way, you don't know if they're going to. It's just an interesting decision by Judge. Go ahead, Eric. I was going to say, though, uh, nothing but the best for Nick Gates. Oh, man, I love Nick Gates. He's an absolute dog on that offensive line. I saw the picture uh, of his leg. It was pointed It was pointed sideways. There's a little I, leg I, fracture. I didn't. And yeah, I it wasn't great. It wasn't, it wasn't good at all. Um, but, I mean, he's probably done for the season, and he's such a promising young interior lineman in this league. He's really taken some huge steps forwards over the last couple of years. And it, uh, it sucks to see. And let's look at the other side of the ball here, Washington, too. The defense that was supposed to be a strength just simply wasn't. I do like the game from Taylor Heineke. He did make some questionable throws throughout the first three quarters. Love when the game, the game was McLaurin. on the line. Big McLaurin, yeah, McLaurin had a great game. But when it came down to it in the fourth quarter, Taylor Heineke made the plays. That's not saying Daniel Jones didn't because he did and, make the plays. He did do enough to win the game. It's just he got let down by the people around him. And the last thing I want to talk about with this game both running backs, Antonio Gibson, Saquon Barkley, massive disappointments. Uh, Saquon Barkley, I would say, is a little bit more of a positive than Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson was really overshadowed by J.D. McKissick. McKissick had the big play on that two-play 75, 75-yard two drive by Washington, the big catch up the sideline. Yeah, but, and- and sorry, yeah, and Saquon's defense, man, like, you know, he's only getting, like, he's getting uh, a light load to begin the season, you know, he only got, like, 15 touches to begin with, you know. Yeah. We're trying to ease him in, you know, coming back from a yeah, 20 I, I believe when it comes to Saquon, it is still a mental thing. He did seem to break through some of that this game. He had the big 38-yard run. Um, He was catching more balls out of the backfield. Granted, the Giants' run offensive line isn't good by any means, but past, I, I mean, passing the pass protection that was fairly decent and you know it's a simple thing getting Saquon Barkley out in space Jason Garrett was trying I commend him for that there was a bad pitch play to Saquon that lost like five yards by the time Saquon Barkley caught the ball he had Montez sweat in his kitchen um I don't like the lateral stuff the Giants do behind the line of scrimmage you look at Kadarius Toney uh who was out there basically as a decoy for a lot of the game, pre-snap movement. They try to get him moving before the snap vertically to the line of scrimmage, uh, horizontally to the line of scrimmage. It just doesn't work. It doesn't open up anything. It doesn't fool anybody. And I think that's what uh, Jason Garrett needs to understand is that this stuff before the snap is not working. It is not fooling anybody. Stick with your horizontal game. Stop making it uh, – stick with your vertical game. Stop, stop making it horizontal. 
can only go one way up the field. It's simple. But all in all, it was a better game called by Jason Garrett. And they need to carry over any momentum that they had coming out of this game in the next week into a crucial matchup against Atlanta. You absolutely cannot start the season 0-3. You cannot, or the season's over. It's as simple as that. Now, with that being said, if you start the season 0-3, there's going to be questions about Jones and what you do next year. I do think Daniel Jones in the right situation would be a starting caliber quarterback and an above average one at that. He just needs to fix the fumble problem. And again, I think that's going to come. He looked better with it this game, sliding, stepping out of bounds more. But how often does it happen a player escapes a scheme and he goes on to be better? It doesn't happen that often. There's really Ryan Tannehill. Outside of that, there's not many more examples. You look at what he did under Pat Shermer. There was just too much potential there for this to be happening under Jason Garrett. It, it's the scheme that's killing him. And I think Garrett really needs to make some adjustments here. Uh, I, I, I was a fan of moving him in the off season, getting rid of Jason Garrett. I can't see making the move mid season. Although you have a very capable play caller in Freddie kitchens. And I really can't believe I'm saying that sentence. It, I don't see it being a midseason move. It has to be something outside outside the season. And Joe Judge is on the hot seat. He hasn't coached well these first two games of the season. Some attention needs to be called to his job. It's as simple as that. That's that's what it's like coaching in New York. But it's okay, everybody. We're getting a really good Thursday night game next week. Oh, it's Houston, Carolina, right? Correct. Yeah. Sneaky and, good. I think and, that game is going to be offense heavy. The, the biggest win from last night's game. We're getting in-season hard knocks, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, shout out to hard knocks for making the whole world think they, it was canceled. <laughs> I didn't think like, that was... What, you didn't think that was that? it? No, I well, thought, the I, way I, the I, tweet I, was worded, it was an announcement will be made Thursday about the future of hard knocks. It's like, oh, we've watched hard knocks for the last time. That's cool. Also, I get it. In-season hard knocks. Cool. Did anybody really ask for this? No. Not from the Colts. I'll, no. I'll say that much. No, that's, the that's, only that's, way that's is if they trade for Nick Foles, then I'm interested. But, like, <laughs> who was the team? Who was the team they should have followed? Texans. Why? Because midway through the year, questions about whether or not Deshaun Watson will be traded or if he'll play, okay. and they could follow that whole court thing. I think there's more turmoil when it comes to a locker room you can find. I wanted the Raiders just because Gruden is Gruden. He is must-see television. They can't have him on, like, again. The, the Raiders at hard knocks again. It's they been, did like, the Rams twice in three years. Please explain to me why they can't. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying I'm against I would have been down to follow the Cowboys the rest of the year. Eh, no, not I, the Cow. Listen, the Cowboys hard knocks was probably my least favorite in the last couple of years. That was no, but I, I would like to see, dude. They they have hit the injury bug and the suspension bug heavy here in the first two weeks. Oh, yeah, I mean, that that would be interesting. You got to point that there. and Jerry Jones when he gets pissed off. I could, I, I would love it. Anyone Tampa Bay? I, I, I honestly say the Giants. Not really. Now you're a fan of Tampa that? Bay. I'm a fan of Tampa Bay. I'd love cool. to see the process you know, that is Tom Brady. You know which one I'm a fan of, though? There's two that I think would be really interesting. Real quick, one. real quick, real quick. I think the process that is Tom Brady on a weekly basis would be very interesting. That and there is no end date for hard knocks, like officially. It's going to follow them throughout the rest of the season, whether they make the playoffs, make the Super Bowl. 
that's it stops when their season stops. Go ahead, Eric. Right. So I think. Oh, sorry. Oh, go I ahead, Trish. No, Trish. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I think it would be cool if every year they followed the Super Bowl champ for the season. So like this year they'll follow Tampa, and then whoever wins this year they'll follow that team next year. Like a like a quest to repeat. Right. See how a team comes back. See how they do it right or do it wrong. I'm down for that. That wouldn't be. That would be interesting, especially if. Brady wins the Super Bowl, then retires. That next yeah. season would be something. Then you see Tampa Bay just falling apart <laughs> again. I'll try Go ahead, Eric. Start. So my two teams that I would really like: number one, Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, but I need an organization with a little bit more turmoil. Number two, I'd rather follow Seattle than Pittsburgh. You guys, you guys are missing the big one. Oh, I know the Packers. big ones. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. the big one. There you go. Packers would have been awesome. A Packers hard knocks. The only I feel like the problem, front office would have said no. You can't say no. Well, it might be different for in season. It might because I know the rule. Is it? Is, I don't would Frank Reich say no? No. I don't think no, I, I don't think it's as much Frank Reich as it is. What is their owner's name? What is his oh, name? Ursay? Ursay, yeah, he's not saying no. <laughs> Jim Ursay's <laughs> not saying no. Um, I, I don't think that would fly with Packers management, although I would, uh, you know, it Why might fly with Packers management because they, is it, are you trying to keep Aaron Rodgers happy? Because if you are, then Packers management would definitely say no. If you know this relationship is not repairable past this season and Aaron Rodgers is good as gone, you bring hard knocks in that room immediately. Big Jordan love a star. And a you look and you look at the cameras and you go, this is what the shit we're putting up with each week. Yeah. Matt LaFleur, I think, would be great at sound bites. Who would be who would be the best of that team on soundbites? I think Devon Adams got some good ones in him. I think Randall Cobb somehow getting away from the island of misfit toys that is the Houston Texans and ending up in Green Bay. I think he'd be great for it. If Clay Matthews was still on that team. Oh man, if Clay Matthews was still there. Although I think Bakhtiari. Oh, Bakhtiari is definitely good for a few zingers. Definitely. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I, I, Indy is just such a vanilla team. You know, I don't care about Indy. It's going to get interesting if Carson Wentz really starts to struggle. I would like it. Now, this would be way harder. Like, way harder. Like, what if you followed a division? <laughs> you know? Fuck. The entire AFC South. <laughs> like, yeah, well, Trish, they got it. Trust me. But, like, the, the Hard Knocks did branch out. They did, you know, the Rams and the Chargers that one year, which, I uh, granted, they're in the same city, blah, 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 all that. But it's two different facilities. They need crews at both. Imagine you did the whole AFC South. Jacksonville, Houston, Indy, Tennessee. <laughs> you get the Urban Meyer situation. You get Tennessee trying to live up to all these expectations. You get Indianapolis and Carson Wentz trying to refine his game. And you got Houston, who's basically playing with house money, trying to win football games each week, and the whole Deshaun Watson situation. Is yeah. that the most interesting division in football? 
better the West. Just like I mean, if you're going by com- competitive like wise, like how interesting that would be. I mean, we're going by competitive wise. Houston Texans currently lead the division at one and zero, John. <laughs> they just destroyed Jacksonville. They beat the hell out of them. Tyron Taylor is that man. Gonna be yeah. into medically retiring again. Somebody's gonna get hurt. Somebody's gonna get hurt, and the Houston Texans are gonna turn around and be able to get like a first for Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Just cause the eight and Texans, when they are eight and be like, nah, we're trading Tyrod, build in the future. Davis Mills. <laughs> oh, then listen, as soon as Tyrod gets benched, the the quarterback that comes in after him is, you know, breaks records. So Davis Mills yeah. is gonna go for like 30 touchdowns in like seven games. Is there a better bridge quarterback in the NFL than Tyrod Taylor? No. Andy Dalton. Alex you think Smith Andy Dalton? You think Andy Dalton? Tyrod Taylor's gonna win you games. Tyrod Taylor brought that Bills team to the playoffs. Like the Bills so did built Andy that Dalton. team. <laughs> That's true. But the Bills built that roster with, hey, we're gonna build everything else and address the quarterback situation when it comes. We might win games in this time, which they did, but we're going to address the quarterback situation when the time comes to do it. And that's when they pull the trigger and trade and draft Josh Allen. But when it comes to bridge quarterbacks, like I'm trying to think of other ones, like a Teddy Bridgewater is a good bridge quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is a good bridge quarterback. Ryan Mallett was supposed to be a bridge quarterback. Players Bruce, like that. Drew Stanton was always Drew a good first Stan- No, Drew Stanton's a good backup. <laughs> Drew, I mean, that is Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick is a great. Fitzpatrick is in the bridge quarterback all of fame. <laughs> he's, <laughs> him and Ty- the only thing Tyron's got over him is the playoff appearance. He is in that top yeah. power tier of bridge quarterbacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Still doing it all these years later. I mean, but look at where Tyrod Taylor's been bridge quarterback. He's bridge quarterback for Josh Allen. Bridge quarterback, uh, Baker Mayfield included. Mariota quarterback Herbert. Mariota is going to be that. Um, I think Jared Goff's going to be that too. Jared Goff's a bridge quarterback right now. Let's be Garoppolo. Real. Garoppolo right now, I think is he's an overpaid bridge quarterback, but I do think he'll be a bridge quarterback somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, I mean Dalton is a bridge quarterback, but like not. A tra- now he's not like your every year bridge quarterback. I mean, Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick has a legendary fucking thing. I mean, it's <laughs> it's Tua. It's struggling Jameis. It's um, Gino. It, Gino. Yeah, like it, it's a crazy thing, Ryan Fitzpatrick. But like him, Tyrod Taylor, Vince Young. Because- Vince Young. Vince Young never Vince had Young a got- bridge stage. Well, Vince Young got Fitzpatrick. Yeah. But Bridge Young, uh, for Vince Young, whoa, Bridge Young. Bridge Young. <laughs> Vince Young, some quarterbacks can, like, if you're a bridge quarterback, you're a bridge quarterback all the way. The steps for bridge quarterback is backup bridge quarterback. You can't really go, this is where Jared Goff might have some trouble, starting quarterback to bridge quarterback. Well, here's the thing. When we say bridge quarterbacks, we're listening to all these names, usually first-round picks. Yeah. Bridgewater. But I think your ideal, your ideal bridge quarterback. I don't even see Dalton as a bridge quarterback. I mean, listen, he's backup last year, blah. But like, your bridge quarterback needs to be on the roster when your team is a year away from drafting a quarterback, or you have your future starting quarterback on the roster. Who 
knows? Houston might have it, and Davis Mills are very high on him. Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is a bridge quarterback. That's a great one, John. That's a good one, John. Brian Oyer, too. <laughs> yeah. He's got to yeah. talk about Patriots backups, man, really. I mean, honestly, these guys like, start. The, your your ideal resume for a bridge quarterback was as a backup, he had one or two games where he lit up the score sheet. And everybody's going, man, all he needs is a shot. And you know who that man is, Tony? Matt Flynn. I was about to now, say that. So, and then it really goes one or two ways. You either turn into that full-fledged bridge quarterback and you go like uh, anywhere between 6 and 10 or 11 and 5. <laughs> like that. Those are your ideal records. Now, as I guess, it's and usually 6 and 11. And usually there's no middle ground six. either. It's one of those two records. Like, no, but it, and there's those, never there's yeah. never a situation where you walk in and you're like 14 and 2, 15 and 1. That doesn't happen. But if you go like 4 and 12, you have lost bridge quarterback status and you've been brought back down to backup quarterback. Like David Carr, great backup quarterback. Would have been a good bridge quarterback. Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel, great backup quarterback. I, I would not want to see him bridge anywhere. Like Teddy Bridgewater, even with the name, is a great bridge quarterback. Great. That's what he's turned into. I think Kyle Allen is at around that point. I think Kyle Allen could be that. Kyle Allen right now has that little cloud around him. Like, man, what if we just gave him a shot? It's a little what bit if we early. What team around him? It's Blaine a little Gabbard, early. bridge quarterback. Mm. Is he backup now? He's backup. Could you say Heineke? I mean, I mean, he. I know he's only played three games, but like he kind of is on that trajectory, where you know, also like he to start. But he- Heineke could be. Now. Heineke could be, but he's right now hovering around great backup quarterback. You can never, as a bridge quarterback, there's a few exceptions. There's your Teddy Bridgewater, but he's an exception because an injury took out his career in Minnesota. You can't be drafted as the guy. You have to be brought into a new situation with the belief this guy could be the guy. He just needs a chance. I think that's what Taylor Heineke is going to be after this season. It might be in Washington. But he might be the bridge to the next guy for Washington. Jason Campbell. Jason Campbell's a bridge quarterback. Jason Campbell is the, is the template for bridge quarterbacks. I could argue Palmer a little bit. Carson Palmer? Yeah. It's different. They won. He went to Arizona and they were going to championship games. They're going to the playoffs at least. And he was drafted to be the guy. You can't win. Well, you can't win. You can't well, win that much with a bat with a bridge quarterback. Well, here's here's my guy. You want to say Jason Campbell. But based on the number of teams he's played for, Vinny Testaverde is bridge quarterback. I know he went to an AFC title game, but that's bridge quarterback stuff. Especially Garcia career. Jeff Garcia. Well, Jeff Garcia was actually very, very good. Kerry Collins. Mm. Kurt Warner almost went into bridge quarterback realm after the Giants stint, but he didn't. He got out of it. You want to talk Rams? Kurt Warner didn't, but Mark Bulger, Trent Green, and Sam Bradford, all bridge quarterbacks. Kerry Collins is a good one, though. Went to a Super Bowl, but he's a bridge quarterback. 
and he was thought to be the guy. But like, he was a like, Kurt Warner was more of a bridge quarterback for that Giants team than Kerry Collins. Brad Johnson. I don't know. One. We got to get a list of bridge quarterbacks together one of these days because bridge quarterbacks. I mean, Sam Darnold could be a bridge quarterback. I right was now. thinking that too. But I think they really think they can win with him. PJ Walker is going to be a great bridge quarterback in this league. It's also not a bad thing to be a bridge quarterback because usually if you're a bridge quarterback, you got like two shots in you. You got two <laughs> shots a, really to lead a team. You still yes, make you money on the first one. You oh, still oh yeah. Not only do you make money, when you're brought into that new team, you usually sign in a $10, 12000000 million contract. Look at Teddy Bridgewater. Got $20 yeah. Million a year. Yeah. Usually like two, three years with an option in there because you might be it. You're probably not it. More often than not, you are not it. <laughs> like that cannot be more clear. Um, it's because of injury. Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe to to Brady, and then Drew Bledsoe to Tony Romo. Yeah, but he yeah. was knocked out both times because of injury, not because of ability. So yeah, he's say, like, he's an injury twice. bridge, I guess. <laughs> I guess. If you want to go way back, Tommy Maddox is a bridge quarterback. Tommy Maddox is a is a very good bridge quarterback. <laughs> the Bears, man, and it always seems like that's team that's oh we can give them a shot. It's the Bears, and then they draft somebody, and that's not it either. Like Rex Grossman would have been a great bridge quarterback. All right, Sam we have Bradford. our Sunday spreads. What do you say, John? There's one more. Some Sam Bradford is a good one, but I mean he was drafted to be the guy at first. It's just every other team. Signed him hoping to be their, you know, guy. And then he just kept, like, you know, filling in. Nick Foles could have went in direction no. where he was a great bridge quarterback. John Kitna. Oh, good one. Oh, man. No, great John legend. Kitna. John Kitna is not a bridge. John Kitna is a good backup. Like, I remember a lot of Tony Romo injuries and then getting absolutely torched by John Kitna. I remember. Well, what would you consider like a Colt McCoy? Solid backup. Very good backup. Yeah. Yeah. Just backup, not a bridge. Never, he well, he was never brought in. Your first thing has to be is was he ever brought in anywhere to be the guy after the team he was drafted last, on? Last one, though. Got rid Derek of Anderson. Never brought in to be the guy afterwards. Wasn't that his first place? No, I thought he was somewhere else before Cleveland. Did he finish as a bear or a panther? I confuse him no. and Jimmy Clausen all, all right. the time. They're the same player. Derek Anderson finished as a Buffalo Bill. Mm. And he started two games in 2018. Mm, I knew that, too. I did know that. I remember those games. They weren't pretty. But, like, where was he? Like, what were the teams he was on? Cleveland, Arizona, Carolina, Buffalo. Okay, I remember him in Carolina. In Buffalo. Carolina, he was Cam Newton's backup. In Buffalo, Uh, 42 for 70, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. I have an argument for Colt McCoy. Go ahead. When he was on the 49ers, he was the guy. He was brought in to be the guy. And then he got hurt, and that's when Kaepernick took over and went like almost to the Super Bowl. 
thought that was Alex Smith. Or went to the Super Bowl. Was that Alex Smith? I don't know. Alex he was Smith on that team, very too. Very good bridge quarterback. Colt McCoy was on that team, too. Alex Smith is. Well, was that 2013? Because that's when Colt McCoy was on the team. I thought that was right around that time. Alex Smith is the rare bridge quarterback that wins. <laughs> yeah, he bridge was to Kaepernick, really bridge to Mahomes. Although, no, I don't really consider him a bridge because he was brought in with the intention he's the guy. Not he could. Like Bridgewater, he could. And the Broncos know he could if the situation's right. Alex Smith was brought in there to win a Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. And then he got hurt. He would have won it, too. He didn't get hurt. Alex Smith didn't get hurt with the Chiefs. He didn't get hurt? Alex- then why did they sit him? They tr- No. There was the never a point playoff. where they played Patrick Mahomes over Alex Smith. Oh, I thought there was. They traded Alex Smith. They trade at Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith for an entire season. Yeah, after the Titans playoff, the wild card loss where they blew that big lead, they traded him. They decided to see what they had with Mahomes the next year. Now there have been quarterbacks over the past couple of years where you go, man, if he was in the right situation, it'd be great. You know, your Zach Mettenbergers of the world, your Brady Quinns of the world, Charlie like Whitehurst, that. Charlie Whitehurst, another one. I'm gonna hit you with a Josh Rosen. My boy did not get a chance. He has, he has potential to be a very good back quarterback, I think. He did not get a chance. In, uh, I, I'm in embarrassed how high I was on Zach Bettenberger. There was, it was right after I got my appendix out, and I was in the hospital. And I was watching, I think it was Thursday Night Football, Steelers-Titans. And I'm watching Zach Mettenberger, and man, because of his size, the number he wore, and his last name, man, he was a mirror image of Ben Roethlisberger. They looked like the same quarterback. It was crazy. If he would have gotten a shot somewhere, I'm surprised, like, John Elway didn't went, man, probably because Peyton Manning became available. We were like, man, we might be going to the playoffs with him. All right, let's get to our Sunday spreads. Last week, uh, not great. I mean, good, not great. I went 2-1, and one, Tom two. went 2-1, and one, Trish went 1-2. and two. Uh, Zach two and one, Eric two and one, and then John comes in at one and two. John, Jags minus three, huh? Is it Jags minus three? Yep. Oh God, Man, that, that's probably my the worst take of the week. Not only did I have Texas plus three, I had Texas money line. <laughs> I did I, not I, trust Urban Meyer. I know I wasn't on the podcast last week. Hi, hi this is Eric from uh, last week. Uh, Panthers minus four was a lock and a half. Oh, dude, I was sweating that out on that two-point conversion. Oh, man, because I had the hook. I had four and a half. Oh. And, oh, man, I was sweating that out. But my boy Zach Wilson couldn't complete that pass with the two-point conversion. Very grateful. All right, here we go. Zach not here. Uh, he's taking the Texans plus 13. That's what he gave it to me at. I don't know if it's still at that. It is. It is still at that. So who they play? Yeah. They play Cleveland. They're playing Cleveland. That is disrespect on. Yeah. Well, also if you remember, on, too. only one of those teams on, undefeated. If we remember on Tuesday, Zach did pick the Texans to win that game, and rightfully so. And rightfully so. He also has the Saints minus three. That is against Carolina. Yep. And he has the Cardinals minus four. And that is against who? 
Minnesota. Minnesota. All right, uh, Tom, if you're ready, we'll start with you. Oh, I'm ready. All right, what do you got? I got the L.A. Rams minus three and a half over the Indi- with the, over the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, that's a good one. I I have the New England Patriots minus six against the Jets. Okay, and I have the Denver Broncos minus six against the Jags. I love a lot of these games this week. It's a good week. I really do. Uh, Trish, what do you got? I got uh, Buffalo minus three and a half over Miami because I think it's going to be back, a bounce back week. Back to the Bills after last week. I understand. It's all right. If they don't do it this week, I don't think I'm going to pick them the rest mm. of the year because it's Miami. Come on. Okay. Somebody record that and save that. Mm. I'm doing. Uh, it's going to be hard when they play the Jets. For, for Houston over Cleveland. And okay. I'm also going to take. The Bengals plus two and a half against Chicago. Eric, uh, what are you riding with this week? So I'm a little bit of a combination of Zach and Trish. Um, I have Saints um, minus three and a half okay. against Carolina. I also have Bengals plus two over the Bears. It's two point five right now. Three. Saints are minus three now. Yeah, yeah. This is DraftKings. Ooh, give me that. Because I did mine this morning. Okay. Um. So Saints minus three. Is it Bengals plus two and a half? You said now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I took the Bengals. Adds the hook in. Yep. And is it still Kansas City minus three and a half against Baltimore? Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll ride with that one. I typed it to Tony this morning, so the lines might change. John, what are you going with this weekend? Yeah, so, yeah, I feel like a trend from a lot of us is uh, yeah, the Texans plus 13. I'm going with that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that seems like a good bet. Uh, I'm, I'm liking the Bengals this week, plus two and a half versus the Bears. Joey B on the rise. Okay. And uh, I think my last game, I'll probably, I think I also like the Falcons plus 12 and a half. I think that they're going to have a bounce back offensive week. I think at least keep it close. I mean, if they're going to blow a 20 point lead, I think it's going to be, you know, have to be a close game. <laughs> have to happen. And that was Falcons plus what? Uh, Falcons 12, plus 12 and a half, half against Tampa. That's not awful. I'm going through it here. What I like, there's so many games. I'm clicking on all the ones I like, because I think I'm going to parlay them. And this could be a wild parlay. It's up to five teams right now. Plus 2335. Oh man, this is a lot. <laughs> Oh, Bucks minus 12 and a half. I love that too, but it's so many points. I usually stay away from getting that many points. We two, I'm... we've already got <laughs> this massive yeah. Houston, I'm going to stay away from because I could see them losing by two touchdowns. So right now I have a 17 parlay and I'll go with my top three picks out of it. I like the Rams minus three and a half. Let me write that down. I like the Rams minus three and a half. I like the Saints minus three. I like the Saints minus three, and uh, I like the Chiefs minus three and a half. See, I think me and you I think all those. Great. Yeah, I think all those are winners. But my seventeen parlay is the Broncos minus six, the Raiders plus six and a half against the Steelers, the Patriots minus six against the Jets, the Rams minus three and a half against the Colts, 
The Saints minus three against Carolina. The Niners minus three against Philly. And the Chiefs minus three and a half against Baltimore. That's plus 89.78. $5 wins 453. That's a lot of juice in that seven-teamer. Hey, Tom. That's a lot. Oklahoma is minus 22 and a half against Nebraska tomorrow. Nope. Don't trust them anymore. After that whole two-lane incident. Boston College is so bad. I hate Nebraska football. Boston College is minus 14 and a half over Temple. I got money on Maryland right now, hoping they can be uh, fend off Illinois. I'll give you one more good one. Army is minus 34 and a half against UConn. UConn's trash. Well, that's going to wrap this episode. We hope you you cash some winners this weekend. I mean, that's what it's all about when it comes down to it. It's cashing winners on Sunday. Let us know your favorite decade of TV. So we will see you again on Tuesday. Uh, We'll be breaking down week two of the National Football League season. We're going to be looking forward to week three. Uh, As Eric said earlier, Thursday night football is a doozy. Houston, Carolina, just a battle of the Titans next Thursday. Uh, Every episode of the 20 Men Sports Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. It's SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever is easiest for you to listen. I promise we are there. Uh, We will see you next Tuesday for an episode of Too Many Methods.